in the greatest days of harvest in the history of the world. If you're watching the news, it would be easy to think differently because the We are living in the greatest days of harvest in the history of the world. If you're watching the news, it would be easy to think differently because the news networks, their businesses and bad news sales. But I'm not a politician or a news reporter. I'm an evangelist, and I come with good news because our God does not have his back against the wall. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is suffering just look around. Bad news, bad news. There's, there's so much suffering, but the violent are rising up to take it by force. And I believe that when we get to heaven, the Apostle Paul, Simon Peter, James John, they're going to run to us. Many times we think we're going to run to them, and maybe so. But I believe that they will want to know what was it like to live in the 21st century? What was it like to live in the ancient of days, the days of Elijah, the greatest days of harvest? I'm so happy. I was reading a commentary of the book of Acts written by Peter C. Wagner not too long ago. It's a great book. And history records that there were 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. You know the story, but the scholars say for about three months after Pentecost, 300 new people were being saved every day. Can you imagine if this were happening right now? Well, I've got good news. It is. It is. Last year, 88,541 people were saved at one of our crusades. If you divide that by 365, you have 273 souls. If you count our other outreaches and events alone, our ministry, we were leading 300 people to the Lord every day last year. And we're just a little ministry. Think about what God is doing globally. I'm telling you, there is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, we are right in the middle of it. In fact, if Jesus keeps saving souls like this, one day the devil will be sitting in hell all by himself. And I know this is theologically incorrect, but I wish it were not. I say to hell with the devil and to heaven with all the people. We are in Pentecost, 3,000 people, 300 new people every day for three months. The first revival in the Bible and now we are in the middle of it still. Today I have two verses on my heart. Joel chapter 3 verse 9 and Matthew chapter 10 verse 7 and 8. Joel chapter 3 verse 9. I really wanted to speak this. Proclaim this among the nations. The prophet Joel said, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men and women, let all of them draw near. Let them come up right now. I want to wake you up with this word. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, 
raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, now freely go and give. The first word I want to draw your attention to is you. Every saint is called to serve. Every member has a ministry. Some of you have been waiting for a sign, and I'm your sign. It's time to go. Going necessitates action. You cannot sit on your blessed assurance and expect to be used by God. No, faith without action is dead. In fact, if God can use me, he can use you a million times. I had a guy come up to me recently, and he said, I want to be like you. I want to be an evangelist. And I said, well, what do you do? What have you been doing? And he said, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting for the invitations to come. I'm waiting for a check in the mailbox so I can start my ministry and so on. And I said, son, where did you get this mentality? And he said, well, the Lord said he would take care of me like he takes care of the birds of the air in Matthew 6. And I meandered for a minute and said, oh, that sounds very cute. But think about the birds. Does God build the nest for the bird? Does he drop the worm in his mouth? No. He gave the bird wings so he could fly. He gave him a world of resources. He wired the birds in such a way that when they get up, they have to go. And this is for some of you. God is saying it's time to get up and go and to get what is rightly yours. In the kingdom of God, there's a world of resources. In fact, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And my prayer is this, God, give us souls lest we die. Give us the land, give us Greensboro, give us the United States of America. I'm telling you, especially in the Western world, we we like to call our church meetings spiderweb evangelism. You know how a spider operates, right? What does a spider do? WWSD. He lurks around the house and he finds the darkest corner to build a nest and he sits and he waits. He sits and he waits. And you know what he's looking for? He's looking and he's waiting for some innocent insect to fly along and to get stuck in his web So he can pounce on them and suck the life out of their soul. And this is how many, this is how so many churches, you know, live the evangelistic life. They they sit around and they wait. The Christians who literally have the power of God dwelling on the inside of them, a connection with the creator of the world. What do most of them do? They find the most comfortable place in town. They build a building. They create the most comfortable atmosphere. And do you know what they're waiting on? They're waiting for some poor sinner to walk through the door. And if that happens, the pastor will wait for the right opportunity and he will pounce on him and suck the life. Right out of their soul. My friends, this was never how God intended us to be. Jesus did not say to wait in our spider webs for some sinner to get caught. No, he said to go into all of the world and to preach the gospel. Jesus commissioned us to be fishers of men. What do fishermen do? They wake up early and they leave the comfort of their home and they go out into the uncharted waters of the world and they cast their net 
hoping to pull up the fish from the waters of the world. And in the kingdom of God, a miracle happens in this moment. Suddenly, the fish become the finest fishermen, and they keep repeating the process. Friends, if your family is going to be saved, if your community and our nation is going to be saved, it's not going to happen inside of the building, even though the building is beautiful and I'm grateful for it. I'm sitting inside of a building right now, but inside of the building houses some of the most precious evangelized real estate in the city. It's you and me, and God is calling us to put the go back into the gospel. And some of you are thinking, I want to go, but how do I go? What do I do? Some of you are thinking, I would go if I saw the same miracles that you saw. Last year, I was in Brazil, and I had a young man walk up to me, and he said, I've never seen a miracle. I got saved a few years ago, and I feel called to ministry, but I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen a sick person healed. I've never seen anybody say, what's my problem? Well, I didn't know this guy, so I started from the very beginning. It's kind of like when your grandma calls, and she doesn't know why her computer is not working. You start from the beginning. You say, Grandma, is the computer plugged in to the source of power? So I proceeded to ask this guy, Sir, how many sick people have you prayed for? How many times have you shared your faith? And he said, Sir, I haven't shared my faith with anybody. And I said, Sir, I think I have found your problem. And I love this point because the Bible says when the disciples went out, God worked with them. Isn't this amazing? It is not I who does the work, but it's the Father in me who does the work. God doesn't sit with sitters. God goes with goers. Ron Harbunke, he said this, God will raise you up from the deepest, darkest pit, but he will not raise you up out of your recliner seat. I'm telling you, number two, as you go, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is probably the most misunderstood phrase in the church. Growing up, I believe most people thought that this was the place that you would go when you die. Most people would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're going to die soon, right? And this is where you're going you're going to see naked babies playing harps, floating on clouds, eating olives. But this is not so. Even though heaven is a part of the kingdom, the true kingdom of heaven is wherever the Spirit of God has dominion. And this is the place where the people of God are submitted to the Spirit of God, obeying His commands. This is where the kingdom manifests. Let me say it this way. The American embassy in Israel is not a part of Israel. I've been there before. The moment you step onto the property, you're in America, and American laws apply. And the same is true for the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. The moment you step onto the property there, suddenly you're a part of the kingdom of Israel, if I can use that terminology. And the same is true for the for the child of God. When you're born again, baptized in the Spirit, the kingdom of God lives on the inside of you, and wherever you go, so goes the kingdom, and there his laws 
apply. When you apply his word, you release his power, his dominion, and his authority into every situation. So this is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, as you go say, the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. And this is a problem many of you didn't know that you were a walking, talking embassy, a spiritual house, a powerful ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Hell shudders at the thought of you being awakened from your slumber. I'm telling you, there's something living on the inside of you. It's a lion, and he wants to be loosed in Jesus' name. So when the kingdom of heaven manifest, what does it look like? I'm so glad you asked. It looks like this. The scripture goes on to say the sick are healed, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, devils begin to come out, and people begin to freely give. Five things. When we look at the life of Christ, this is what we see. He always exemplified these two things. He performed miracles and he taught about the principles of the kingdom of heaven, Acts 1.1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. See, Jesus would perform miracles and then he would teach about them. This was his approach. And I love this. Long, a long time ago, I, I took a business class at GTCC and the professor stood up to say on the first day, I've never started a business, but I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I thought, why would I listen to you? In the church world, we have, we have a number of people who are teaching others how to do things that they've never done. But this was not Jesus. He practiced what he preached. And why did he do this? Somebody said so eloquently, he performed all of these miracles to prove that he was the Messiah. And I don't think this is true, and I'm going to tell you why. There's a story in the Bible when Jesus was teaching on the hillside, and he healed every person present. The Bible says he healed them all. Every headache, every high case of blood pressure, sugar diabetes, cancer, gone. Every cripple walked. Everyone was healed. And then a little bit later, a group of Pharisees walked up to him and said, Can you show us a sign? And I quote, that you are the Messiah? Did you not see what happened just a few minutes ago, you bunch of boneheads? They saw the miracles, but it wasn't the kind of miracles that they wanted to see. They wanted to see him part the Red Sea like Moses. They wanted to see him call down fire from heaven like Elijah. But Jesus only performed one of these miracles in the Old Testament. Do you know what it was? It was when he, he was raised from the dead. But he said, even when you see this, you will not believe. Meaning, he was not busy trying to prove anything to anybody. So why was Jesus performing miracles? He was demonstrating what it would look like for a mere man to be used by God filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was stripped of his divinity as he stepped into our humanity. Read Philippians chapter 2. Jesus demonstrated what we as the people of God should be doing every day as we walk in the dominion and the authority that he provided on the cross. 
Hallelujah. Let me say it this way. Jesus did not perform miracles to prove that he could. He performed miracles to prove that you could. He gave us a model. What I like to call the greater thing mentality. And this is good news. What was he saying? He was saying, when you go preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just don't talk about it. Bring it. It's time to bring heaven down. What Jesus did, you can do too. So what does he say next? He says, heal the sick. Everybody say, heal the sick. 2 Peter 1.4 But there is given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You need to underline that passage. That by these we may be partakers of divine nature. Now stay with me. Jesus never intended us to be an imitation. We were supposed to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, soul of his soul and spirit of his spirit. Thus he would manifest himself in us as we die daily His spirit is resurrected on the inside of us, making us one with him both in purpose and in being. And I love this thought. We have to be what I like to call God in me minded. Yes, God is with me. God is for me. But God is in me. The apostle Paul wrote in Colossians, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you. The world does not need another declaration of the gospel. The world needs another demonstration of the gospel. The world doesn't know how much power is at hand. And much of the church world has never had a revelation of this either. But I prophesy today the tide is turning in Jesus' name because this is a command. It's time for you and me to go and heal the sick and our families family, community, and country. Number three, he goes on to say, to cleanse the lepers. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Now when I read this, it seemed a little redundant. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. It sounds like the same thing. However, lepers were more than sick. They were outcasts ostracized under the religious system of the day. You dare not come into contact with a leper or you would literally be risking your life. And I love how Jesus turns the whole religious system upside down. He didn't say run from the leper. He said run to the leper. Bill Johnson said in the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were considered unclean. But in the New Testament, if you touched a leper, they were made clean. Jesus loves to turn the tables upside down. Mother Teresa, her story's told. She lived among the sick and the poverty-stricken people in Calcutta, India for decades, and she never got sick. How did she do it? She came into agreement with this phrase. And while she cleansed the lepers in her society, God covered her and kept her safe. Everybody say real faith. We have to come face to face with those who are more than sick. Those who are physically and emotionally wounded. 
It's time for us to take our mask off. Is anybody with me? And that's not a political statement because the church has been wearing a mask for almost 50 years in America. We need another healing revival. And I say now, this is the statement that has resounded throughout the ages. Where is the God of Elijah? But today I want to say, where are the Elijahs of God? I think they are listening to me today. It's time to confront our fears and to take the time to look the leper in the eye. The drug addict, the enraged, the displaced, the fearful, the religious. Come on, somebody. Give us the wild ones, whoever it may be. We have to cleanse those who are more than sick. And then God really stretches our faith. He says to raise the dead. We see 10 resurrections in the scripture. Three in the Old Testament and seven in the New. Jesus raised three. But then we see the Apostle Paul raising Eutychus and Simon Peter raising Tabitha and so on. And I've said this for about a year now. I believe God is releasing a dead raising anointing in the church. What does this mean? I believe it can be physically but especially spiritually. I believe that this means for us to bring life into every situation that we step into. Friend, you are called to raise the dead. I can't stand a Christianity that smells like a dead corpse. This is why I like crazy, charismatic churches. Come on. Cemeteries are very quiet, but maternity wards are very loud. And give me some Holy Ghost chaos over the rigid religious system any day of the week. Where do you want to be? I want to be right in the middle of revival, raising dead people back to life. Even today, I sat down and had lunch with a Chinese family that came to our church this past Sunday, there was a man who got radically saved a few weeks ago, and suddenly he's, t- he's telling everybody about Jesus, and he's bringing people to church. And so we've got a lot of work to do. I'm telling you, we have stepped into a season of acceleration, and God wants to use you. Number four, he goes on to say to cast out devils. And I thought this is kind of anticlimactic. You would think raising the dead would be last, but it appears to digress to say cast out devils. But this is the root of all evil. It's not money. The root of all evil is the devil. If you want to change the physical realm, you must start in the spiritual realm. As believers, we're not just called to cast devils out of people. We're called to cast devils out of cultures, communities, cities, churches, families. I'm telling you, you have the power to cast out devils. Greater is he that lives on the inside of thee than he that lives in that world. And if you don't believe in devils, get on the airplane with me this coming Monday and go to the crusade field. And I won't have to convince you. When the devils begin to manifest, they will do all the convincing. In fact, we're seeing mass deliverance on a greater scale even right now. Because when heaven moves, hell has to move. And the demons have to come out. Matthew 10 Seven and eight, 
as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Freely you have received, now freely give. As you go, give it all away. Give your love and affection away. Give your power, come on, just pass it, transference. Uh, uh, give, give your gifts and talents away. Go tell the world the kingdom of heaven is not out there. It's right here. And there's a light bulb going off right now in your heart. He's lighting you up. And he will lead you. The word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He didn't say um, a lighthouse shining for all to see. He doesn't show you your whole life. No, he shines it on your feet. It's time to put some feet to your faith. And he will use you today if you're willing and available. I can almost see God holding a sign right now that says, written in a sharpie, Big, bold letters, help wanted. He's looking for help. He's looking for help. Does he need any help? No. But I'm telling you, since the beginning of time, God has chosen to use men to bring about his kingdom purposes. He, 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 he's looking. The eyes of the Lord is looking to and fro throughout the earth, and he's looking for somebody that is fully dedicated unto him. And I believe that his eyes are on you. I came to awaken you from your slumber today and say, go, go, go. Preach, preach, preach. Say the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, and freely give it all away. In Jesus' name, I pray. God bless you. I'll see you next week. This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, we are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. Indeed, the best is yet to come.